You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We have some breaking details tonight about a measles outbreak in Vancouver. There are now two additional confirmed cases who might have exposed hundreds, maybe even thousands of others to the infection. Aaron MacArthur is live with more on what you need to know about this outbreak and some very public areas, Aaron, where people might have been exposed. Yeah, like you said, hundreds, possibly thousands of people potentially at risk here. Two new cases popped up in the Vancouver Health region this week, bringing the total number now to 10. One of those cases very clearly linked to the French language schools in Vancouver, where the other eight cases have been. It is the second case that is somewhat more concerning because at this point it appears to be random. And judging by the locations this person traveled, it looks like a young adult and they did travel a great distance. Vancouver Coastal Health is concerned about a specific date range between February 15th and February 18th, from Richmond all the way to Whistler. On February 15th, they're concerned about Russell Sean Fitness in Richmond. And then on the Canada line between the Broadway station and Langara station on a southbound train. Langara College on the 15th and Sports Check at Richmond Centre on the 15th. The exposures continue on to the 17th down into Steveston where the Starbucks on number one road is of concern and the Dave's Fish and Chips. And then on the 18th, the exposure, potential exposure goes up to Cedar Sky Highway, the McDonald's in Squamish, and then the Scandinav Spa in Whistler. Now, there are specific times associated with all of these locations. That information can be found on our website. You can also ask Vancouver Coastal Health for more information. VCH doctors are concerned maybe we don't know what measles looks like. It is a rare disease. They want to remind everyone it comes on like a cold and gets a lot more serious. Measles starts as a cold-like illness with cough and a runny nose. Then people typically develop red eyes and one to two days later, a fever and a rash. The rash begins in the hairline and spreads down over the body. Now, that diagnosis is causing a bit of concern for doctors in the Vancouver coastal region. There is something else out there right now that is presenting a lot like measles with rash symptoms. And all of those false positives are tying up lab time, which is making diagnosing the, the true measles cases more difficult than it needs to be. Of course, we'll follow this as the night goes on and through the weekend. Chris. No doubt some troubling uh, developments today. Thanks very much for that, Aaron. Now, the National Energy Board has completed its reconsidered report on the Trans Mountain Pipeline, recommending the project should still be approved despite the potential for damage to the environment. The report finds the pipeline is in the public interest and that the benefits outweigh the risks. But as Jill Bennett reports, not everyone is buying that justification. The report contains an overall recommendation that the Trans Mountain Expansion Project is in the Canadian public interest and should be approved. Should be approved, but with 16 new conditions in addition to the 156 existing ones. They include developed greenhouse gas reduction measures related to marine shipping, continued engagement with coastal indigenous communities, and updating federal marine shipping oil spill response requirements. Because of our own inaction, we are leaving world oil markets, and in some cases, Eastern Canadian oil markets, to the Russians and the Saudis, countries that don't care a whit 
about climate change or the environment. And in BC, there is more continued support for the project. Uh, our inability to access global markets with our oil means it costs us up to $80 million a day in uh, revenue. But these hugs and smiles are not signs of victory, just the opposite. Groups opposed to the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion argue the costs are not outweighed by the benefits. Some say the economic benefits would be negligible. This pipeline, as I have said on many, many occasions, will never, ever see the light of day. We still say no to the project. There's Even if one uh, nation, one community says no, that project is not happening. Feeding and fueling global warming at a time that we know that it's now or never to protect human civilization from our, from our demise? Well. But there are First Nations who support the plan, saying they too can address environmental concerns. Should that project go ahead, there are many First Nations along the route that... Um, stand to benefit a great deal f from it should it eventually uh, proceed. The NEB recommendation is just that, a recommendation. A final decision still needs to be made by the federal government. Jill Bennett, Global News. And that's part of the puzzle. Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, the NEB endorsement is one thing, but opponents have made it very clear they are not going away. So what is next? Yeah, well, people like uh, Stuart, uh, Grand Chief Stuart Phillips, Zipporah Berman, veteran anti-pipeline campaigners, show no signs of shrinking their opposition here. So look for more court challenges, judicial challenges, uh, judicial reviews, uh, the inevitable protests that will take place this summer at places where protests have occurred already and record uh, numbers of people willing to go to jail for civil disobedience. That's going to continue. Uh, but the other player here is the B.C. government continues in its opposition to this pipeline project. But Environment Minister George Heyman again today not, I think, as, as high-pitched in terms of rhetoric as some of the uh, pipeline opponents are, but he points out disappointment with today's ruling and particularly upset there's no binding recommendations on onerous ones at that. Here's the Environment Minister. They had the opportunity to put binding conditions in, despite the fact that along with many British Columbians, we think the impact of this project are so severe it should not be approved, but they didn't even add new binding conditions. So the BC government's uh, court case will continue. It's a constitutional reference case arguing it has jurisdiction over the flow of bitumen in BC. The federal cabinet has 90 days now to make its decision, likely a green light. It may extend that to extend the consultation process with Indigenous people along the pipeline route. Still a lot of cards to be played here, Chris, before it's all over. No doubt. Okay, thanks, Keith. Keith Baldry reporting in Victoria. Now, one of the National Energy Board's recommendations focuses on balancing the impact added tankers would have along the shipping route. Only about 75 southern resident killer whales are believed to remain in that area. And in an effort to mitigate the added noise from more tankers, the NEB has made a number of recommendations related specifically to marine shipping, including limits on whale-watching boats, slowdowns in shipping routes, and quieter ferries. Slowing down a vessel doesn't necessarily make it a quieter vessel. Uh, some of our vessels, like a Spirit class vessel, for example, has what we call controllable pitch propellers. And when you slow down a vessel that has CPPs, they actually create more noise. One of the things I'd like to see us exploring actually is ferries that uh, have different forms of combustion or actually um, electric ferries uh, as we move forward. BC Ferries also notes that it has a plan for reducing underwater noise and says that every vessel it builds is quieter than previous vessels. 
More tonight on the ongoing spending scandal involving two key officials at the B.C. legislature. Speaker Daryl Plekis tabling a second report with new allegations yesterday. And while some are calling for heads to roll, as Richard Zisman reports, tonight one lawyer is calling the very public nature of this investigation a defense lawyer's dream. The reports in the ongoing scandal at the B.C. legislature are piling up. Since Speaker Daryl Plekis' first report, Clerk Craig James and Sergeant-at-Arms Gary Lenz have responded, and now Plekis has given his own rebuttal. On Thursday, the Legislative Assembly Management Committee deciding to hire a retired judge to look into all of those reports. The expectation is that report will determine if James and Lenz remain on paid leave or are fired, something the Speaker's office is hoping for. I'm saying as a British Columbian, that's not leadership. New allegations, including James and Lenz calling a whale-watching trip a guided tour to explain seismic activity to the tune of more than $1,000 of taxpayer money. The report also showing this picture, the now infamous wood splitter sitting in front of James's home before being moved here to the legislature. I think there is items in this report that anybody can look and say, OK, it may fall under column A, which is criminal. But with an ongoing police investigation underway, one lawyer's raising concern the speaker's reports may have jeopardized the current police investigation. Almost mudslinging in that report. A lot of, you know, this is a lie and that's not true and I'm telling the truth and you don't have to believe me. Statements like that really impact upon the objectivity of the investigation. Four times in the latest report, Plekis calling James and Lenz liars. But Mullen contends they're doing everything by the book. We are constantly checking with police, uh, constantly checking with, with special prosecutors as well as our own counsel to make sure uh, that at every step uh, we're not doing anything to impede that investigation. And the Speaker's office isn't done investigating. British Columbians are screaming loud and clear, please don't stop, please keep going and Oh my goodness, are we going to keep going? Lenz and James deny all wrongdoing. A first ring of James's doorbell in Victoria on Friday, unanswered. All right, Richard joins us now. And I understand not long after that shot, Craig James did end up coming to the door. What happened when the cameras weren't rolling? Yeah, he did, Chris. He asked us to turn off the cameras because his lawyers have advised him not to speak to the media at this point. We obliged, but what I can tell you, he said, is that lawyers have looked over that first Plekis report. He doesn't believe there is any criminality. He hopes to be able to soon clear his name by speaking out to the public and that he is happy that an independent uh, retired judge has now been named to look into these reports and he believes that that will absolve both himself and Gary Lenz, Chris. We'll see how it goes. Richard Zussman in Victoria. Thank you, sir. Well, a dicey morning commute for many on the south coast this morning. Flurries seen early, turning to heavy snow shortly thereafter, before the sun came out in some spots this afternoon. Jennifer Palma has more on which areas saw some of the most challenging conditions. Winter isn't letting up. Another round of snow, another round of clearing it from streets, sidewalks, driveways, and cars. Oh my gosh, it's terrible. This Coquitlam resident is getting tired of the white stuff. And, and that's why I'm in Vancouver, you know, because I hate snow. 
Falling as heavy, wet snow, it hit all parts of the metro area and Fraser Valley. Once it started sticking, it was hard for some to get around. We just saw a guy, poor guy, who stuck right in the middle. He just couldn't, in the middle lane. Yeah. He just couldn't move. I have to drive up this later. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Do you have snow tires? No. They didn't put salt there. They knew it was going to snow today and nobody did anything last night. For transit, it also caused issues in Vancouver and at SFU on Burnaby Mountain, where tire socks were used for traction. On SkyTrain, there were longer waits between trains, which meant busier platforms. SkyTrain's been okay, but we have been staffing the trains again just to make sure that um, there's nothing in the way of the tracks. Sometimes snow and ice can fall off the trains and set off our track intrusion alarms. The cleanup was well underway in the valley. The poor weather and road conditions forcing the closure of roads and public schools in Mission. We uh, sent them home early and uh, getting everyone home safe is priority, right? Uh, they just said because of the weather, it'd be too hard to get kids home if it kept snowing. They said they didn't want the buses to get stuck. They just said because it's dangerous and they're scared we won't be able to get home. Hang in there. Winter's not done yet. Spring starts March 20th. Jennifer Palma, Global News. And we'll get the full forecast from Christy Gordon in just a moment. Right now, though, a 42-year-old woman from Australia has been killed while snowboarding in Whistler. The report says the woman entered a closed area and may have triggered an avalanche. Sarah McDonald has more on the well-known risks of going out of bounds and a plea from experts going into the weekend. The latest casualty of BC's notoriously unforgiving mountains. To breaking news now, and an Australian woman has been killed. Is making headlines on the other side of the world. Out of bounds, I mean, they're so clearly marked off where you're not supposed to ski and it's for your own safety. An Australian national killed Thursday on Whistler Blackcomb. The 42-year-old woman snowboarding with a male companion when the pair ventured into a restricted area within the resort. She had uh, taken off her snowboard and actually was... Uh, walking on foot at the time when she lost her footing and uh, started to slide down and then went over the cliff. The victim surviving that initial fall but later succumbing to her injuries in hospital. Her 36-year-old companion escaping unscathed. The permanently closed areas are areas that if people are in it and, and an avalanche was to happen, it can affect people that are in the ski area boundary. And this incident did trigger an avalanche close to inbound terrain at a time when the risk is already exceptionally high. And this new round of snow only heightens that risk. Up to 15 centimeters of it expected to fall with this latest weather system. And that's on top of an already weak layer of snowpack that experts warn could give way at any time and trigger slides in high-risk areas. And that is what leads to tragedy like this. Rescuers on the North Shore recovering the body Wednesday of a missing snowshoer swept away in a slide days earlier. Risky missions and treacherous terrain that put rescuers and ski patrol at risk. And in this latest case, the general public too. It's pretty frustrating because people don't think about that, but the consequence can be really bad. Experts once again urging outdoor enthusiasts to explore responsibly this weekend. And with a high degree of caution, that special avalanche warning in place until Sunday. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Whistler. Right now, though, the SPCA is calling on dog owners to ditch a controversial training tool. Shock collars have been used for years to discourage bad behavior, but the SPCA argues in some cases they have the opposite effect. Jordan Armstrong has both sides of the debate. Free, get your ball. Holly is a beautiful, obedient dog. No doubts about that. Good girl. But there is debate on the device used to train her. Holly, now eight, has worn an e-collar or shock collar 
since she was eight weeks old. It's actually the greatest thing there is to train dogs these days. It's, think of it as technology. Holly down. Holly's owner, Jeff Lolliker, has been training dogs for 18 years. While many turn to e-collars only as a last resort, he thinks they should be worn all the time. The reason for that, once again, is because it is so gentle. It's for all dogs. The BCSPCA vehemently disagrees. These tools can appear to be effective in the short term. You will get some kind of reaction out of your dog, but long term we know that they're not more effective than rewards-based training. The society has launched a new campaign urging pet owners not to use e-collars, which are banned in some parts of Europe, claiming they are linked to increased stress, fear, and aggression. It's something that I think people are really waking up to, and just because a tool is effective does not mean that it's the right thing to do for your dog. We tried two different e-collars, each on a relatively low setting. As you might expect, the one Lolliker put on me did not hurt. The SPCAs did. Ready, set. Yeah, that's really uncomfortable at this point. What is clear? The dog fight over e-collars will continue, with both sides entrenched in their beliefs. We have animals that are surrendered to us every day that have um, developed adverse behavioral reactions to shock collars. If I can find a better way tomorrow, I will switch. But based on what I've seen and doing this uh, full time for 18 years, the proof is in the pudding. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. The disappearance of clothing donation bins in the wake of a series of tragic deaths has solved one problem but created another. Metro Vancouverites have lost an opportunity to recycle a vast quantity of used clothing. But as Nadia Stewart reports, a pilot program will now give everyone a new option to keep clothing and textiles out of the landfill. It has been about a month since these bins were pulled in communities across BC. A number of tragic deaths raising concerns over security. Bins used by nonprofits for fundraising and clothing recycling are now sitting idle. Now a new option is being presented to Metro Vancouver residents. This has been something we've had in the works for a few months. Encore Pacific, the company operating return at depots across the Lower Mainland, says the pilot project launched Friday has been in the works since October 2018. We knew that there's you know 40,000 tons of textiles, a lot of textiles going to landfill, so we felt there was an, an opportunity. 13 return at depots will now be accepting old clothing, shoes, and household textiles. What's collected will then be handed over to Bank and Vogue, an Ottawa-based company who will recycle the fabric. They'll be distributed to likely mostly thrift shops and then some of the material that can't be resold in thrift shops will be used, cut up and used as rags and recycled in other ways. All with a name, says Langdon, to keep unwanted clothing out of the landfill. The money generated from the sale of the clothes will be used to fund the program, a program they'll be testing until May. And who knows what other solutions to the clothing conundrum would have been found by then. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Here's a sobering fact. Linguistics experts say every two weeks, one of the world's 7,000 languages disappears from existence when the last people who speak it pass away. As Linda Aylesworth reports, a number of B.C. First Nations are determined that their languages can be saved. Salkan Skwekwe. Salkan Skwekwe. Tori has been learning her ancestral language, Squamish, for three years. I love my people. I love my language. I feel like um, language is a very important part of who we are and 
where our strength will come from. Squamish is one of 60 indigenous languages in Canada. More than half are spoken in BC. With the help of fluent speakers like Peter Jacob, a growing number of Squamish band members are learning it. This is a language that's been spoken here along with Halkamelem for thousands of years. It represents a relationship with this land. But many of the world's indigenous languages are in danger. Every two weeks, one is lost. In Canada, the greatest threat came from residential schools. They were actively suppressed from using their language. They were shamed and humiliated. But things are changing. In Haida Gwaii and in other First Nations communities, elders are ensuring the survival of their languages by recording them. And then there are dictionaries. It was in creating this one that Peter learned Squamish. There's like a part of us that was missing and being able to speak Squamish is like that part's back now. Today, many Indigenous children in BC are given the opportunity to learn the language of their people as they grow up. And talk to Squamites, wait. And mentor apprentice programs are helping adults become fluent as well, then sharing their knowledge. I think it's everyone's responsibility as a language learner to eventually become a language teacher. And a language creator, because many of the words we use today didn't exist way back when. One of our teachers came up with the word and it means brain box and that's the word for computer. <laughs> there are nearly 2,700 languages in the world in danger of being lost but at this rate Squamish will not be one of them. Now with all of these young people coming up and learning the language there's a sense of pride and a resurgence in the community and a sense of hope. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A six-floor apartment building in Medellin that was once home to Pablo Escobar reduced to rubble by the Colombian government. Officials hope it will dampen some of the lingering fervor for the drug lord's life that had turned the unoccupied building into a bit of a tourist attraction. A park will be built on the site in honor of the thousands of victims of Escobar's army of assassins during the 1980s and 1990s. The California parents who held their children captive in their home for years pleaded guilty today to torture and child and adult abuse. How do you plead to that charge, Mr. Turpin? Guilty. And Mrs. Turpin? Guilty. David and Louise Turpin faced 25 years to life for imprisoning, starving and torturing 12 of their 13 children who ranged in age from 2 to 29. They were arrested back in January of 2018 after their 17-year-old daughter escaped and called police, who found the children shackled, starving, and filthy. Police say only the two-year-old didn't appear to be mistreated. The Riverside County District Attorney says despite everything the children have been through, they are now in remarkably good spirits. I was very taken by them, by their optimism, by their hope for the future, for their future. Um, they have a zest for life and huge smiles, and I was, um, I'm optimistic for them, and I think that's how they feel about their future. Singer R. Kelly has been indicted on 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. The charges, some of which involve underage victims, were laid in Chicago. Kelly has been accused of sexual assault as far back as 2001, but the Cook County State's attorney was reportedly spurred to pursue charges by the new documentary series, Surviving R. Kelly. The 52-year-old singer has never been convicted of a related crime, 
and has denied all accusations against him. One day after he was charged with staging a racist and homophobic attack on himself, the repercussions have begun for actor Jesse Smollett. Producers of the show Empire have cut him from the last two episodes of the season, and they are leaving his future on the show up in the air. Hey, all right, you got me, but... You Facing more real-life drama than his character on Empire, tonight executive producers say actor Jesse Smollett is out of the final two episodes of the season following his felony charge for lying to police about a hate crime. After Smollett posted bond, he was driven to the set of Empire where he reportedly denied any wrongdoing to cast and crew. He orchestrated this. With Smollett vilified, filmmaker Tyler Perry posting, I have personally spoken to Jesse and he is adamant that he's telling the truth, yet the evidence seems to state otherwise. In meticulous detail, police outline their case. The linchpin, these brothers, who investigators say were given a $3,500 check from Smollett to buy supplies and stage the attack. Police say while they were complicit, they face no charges because they didn't orchestrate the scam and are needed to convict Smollett. We substantiated the timeline and the details that they gave to us in this interview. With police claiming Smollett's motive was to drum up publicity to boost his career, Fox says it's considering our options. Tonight, the actor facing growing backlash after a shocking plot twist. In health matters tonight, never mind that they make your breath smell bad. Another new study is touting the benefits of garlic and onions. Chinese researchers studied 1,500 people and found that allium vegetables can significantly reduce the risk of colorectal cancer. They found that people who eat a lot of foods with garlic, onions, and leeks have 80% lower risk of colorectal cancer. Fashion icon Karl Lagerfeld left behind a $200 million estate when he passed away earlier this week. Right after the forecast, wait till you, wait till you hear who gets the big chunk of it. That's coming up. Uh, right after we talked to Christy earlier, we saw some of that uh, snow that blew in. And then, wouldn't you know it, this afternoon, some sunshine, too. That's right. Strong cold front this morning, Chris. That's what we were expecting. Picked up at around 9. It was actually just great timing. Kids were able to get to school. A lot of people getting to, got to work. And then it really picked up and then eased off by about noon. And then this was our afternoon. Uh, we're not done with the snowfall just yet, everyone, although the snowfall warnings have ended. Let me show you what's going on. This is the cold front. So that's shifting further inland. Light snow across southern B.C. further inland overnight, about 5 centimeters. This was our break. But can you see all of this. This is pockets or cells of moisture. It's instability basically that's going to push in and these pockets will move across our region starting late this evening and continuing through our day on Saturday and into our Sunday as well. This is an example of what it could look like. So we'll certainly see some dry patches but then we'll also see pockets of snow or rain just like we saw today. The temperature will drop down to one degree so higher terrain will likely see snow but low 
lower down. It will be a mixed bag as to what we'll see, and we'll see it in waves throughout the day. And these pockets could also be rather unstable in that we could see a little bit of hail, and it could be a brief, intense period. This is our Sunday morning, just to give you an example, still that potential across the region. But Sunday morning, it will clear, and you'll be left with sunshine Sunday afternoon. Sunshine across the north, though, for tomorrow. Temperatures still below seasonal, and we have been all month. A few flurries in through the eastern sections, just lingering through the morning, and then that should ease up throughout the day, whereas the south coast, that's the main area that will get hit. Again, potentially flurries in the morning or wet snow changing over to showers in the afternoon, clearing on Sunday, sunshine from there on in, but staying on the cool side. And I'll leave you with this shot. This is Warren Stevens. So he uh, bought the charity, uh, our bobbleheads for a charity, and then his daughters gave him a bobblehead of himself, and he built this mini cabin. It's on his fence, and he has a, he, apparently he has us over to, for a beer right now. Very nice. Yeah. At least we're not all in the hot tub he's got yeah, he's, there. He did say nice. we're a little overdressed, though. <laughs> that is so funny. Thank you very much, Warren, for that. And a shout-out to everybody who showed up in the snowfall for the CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day luncheon today. We really appreciate all you do for CKNW Kids Fund. It was a lot of fun. Okay, uh, everybody was very fashionable there, and that brings us to fashion icon Carl Lagerfeld, who left behind a $200 million fortune, and it seems his cat is going to get a substantial piece of it. Lagerfeld had previously referred to his cat, Shoepet, as an heiress and said if something ever happened to him, she would be very well looked after. Shoepet has two maids to care for her and is taken to the vet every week and a half whether she needs to go or not. She has 235,000 Instagram followers, more than 50,000 on Twitter. Lagerfeld once said that Shoepet was his perfect match because she's pretty and doesn't talk. Oh, that's right. That's a little strange. He had his... So when the cat dies, who does it leave it to? That's a very good question. I was wondering that too. Is, Is the cat or girl or guy, is he going to spend it all? I don't know. Well, if not, I would think it'd be wise to invest in Meow Mix right now. Because that cat's (laughs) going to go go nuts on that stuff. All right, Squire's here now. Last minute wheeling and dealing. We'll see what happens. Well, I don't know how busy the Canucks will be for one reason or another, Mm -hmm. but don't trade away the kids. They won't do that. They won't trade away draft picks. But the NHL trade deadline is Monday, and even though the Canucks are making calls and taking calls like every other team, A lot of people around the league think they might not be making a lot of deals because, well, not because they don't want to. It's more because a lot of their more desirable players that they might trade are hurt. Cutting towards the net. Stops, reverses, scores! Even though the Canucks suffered another tough loss Thursday night, they are still very much alive for a playoff spot in the West. Actually, there are eight teams fighting for the two wildcard spots, separated by just nine points. Having so many in the mix has changed the dynamic of trade talks, with the deadline coming fast on Monday. There's teams that might have been sellers like two or three weeks ago that are right back in it, and now might even be looking to be buyers now. So, you know, I think it changes day to day. We have a long-term plan. It's not going to affect what we do going forward, but um, with some teams it might. 
Benning emphasized the Canucks will not be giving away draft picks in any deals, not with the draft here in Vancouver this June. They would love to acquire more picks and or young players, but most of the veterans teams might be interested in are hurt right now. So it figures to be all quiet on the Canuck trade front. Well, that's the problem when players are injured, you know, going into the trade deadline. Depending on, you know, when they're going to be back, it's, you know, it's hard to talk about them and without a timeline as to, to when they're going to be back or if they're going to be back this season. Alex Edler is still recovering from a serious concussion. His return is still unknown. What we do know, it sounds like a new contract extension with the Canucks is getting closer. Alex is a player that's been here a long time. He's an important player in our group as a mentor to, you know, Petey and some of our young players. And we think, he, you know, it's important that we try to get it figured out. The Canucks may add one budding star before the season's over, but it won't be at the trade deadline. 2018 first-rounder Quinn Hughes could be done his college season by March 10th and could be in a Canucks uniform just days after that. He needs to decide to leave school. That'll be a decision you know, his advisor and family make, and uh, as soon as he makes that decision, um, if it's he wants to turn pro, he'll be on the next plane out here. And I'm sure you will see him before the end of the season. The uh, first big trade before the deadline happened today. Ottawa sent Matt Duchesne to Columbus for first-round picks in 2019 and 2020, as well as two prospects. The pick this year will go to Ottawa if it's not a top three draft pick, and the 2020 pick is only going to happen if Duchesne signs a new contract with Columbus because he could become a free agent this summer if he chooses not to re-sign with the Jackets. And they were in Ottawa, so he got the play for his new team right away. And he and uh, his old friend Brady Kachuk were roughing each other up and laughing about it. This is somebody who was brought in to help get them to the next Duchesne does have a chance. Can he score? Oh, he But his new team did win 3-0 over Ottawa. The Oilers are going to be missing Connor McDavid for a couple of games. He was suspended for this. The head contact on Nick Letty last night assessed a minor penalty on the play, but he gets the two-game suspension first time he has ever been suspended. Second round, WGC Championship in Mexico. Tigers got fans everywhere. I'll show you what I mean. This is going in. And then watch his number one fan. Yeah! In the Tiger costume. Um, Bones, this one just a shade under four feet. It is. Roy McElroy, four shot lead early in the second yeah, round, unravels in the ninth green. Got a day. Misses a par putt, misses the bogey putt, doubles. He is second now at nine under. Back to Tiger. In the fairway, blocked out by a tree, so he's got to turn this thing, and he does. Does he ever? That is old school. He's tied for eight, that five under par. Didn't make that birdie putt, but did uh, clean it up for a par. Dustin Johnson, who's been hitting it deep because of the elevation in Mexico City. Birdie putt at 12. Only player not to make a bogey yet through two rounds. He's 11 under, two better than Rory. No Canadians in the field. But there is a Canadian in Puerto Rico. Beautiful, beautiful scenery. PGA Tour event for those who didn't qualify for the event in Mexico. This is Merritt's Roger Sloan. Par four. Great wet shot. Eagle. He's uh, shot off the lead at minus seven. Adam Svensson of Surrey missed the cut. All right. It wouldn't be the NFL offseason if there wasn't some New England Patriot getting into trouble. And today it was the ultimate Patriot, the number one guy, owner Robert Kraft. He's facing charges 
for solicitation of prostitution at a Florida massage parlor. He says he didn't do it. The police say they have a video, and I hope they never release that video. It's not likely he would get jail time if found guilty, but the NFL would suspend him and fine him. But they have done that many times to the Patriots and their personnel for spying on other teams, deflating footballs, taking steroids. But for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to stop them from winning Super Bowls. DeMar DeRozan back in Toronto got a big ovation. Had a chance to be the hero for his new team, San Antonio, and then with 15 seconds left, he falls down. And irony of irony, it's Kawhi Leonard, who he was traded for, who takes the ball away and goes in and scores what proves to be the winning basket. Raptors win at 120-117. Poetic. And BC is out of the Scotties. There you go. Here's your snow report for tonight. Lots of new snow right across the province. Whistler Blackcomb picked up seven. Grouse Mountain, 20 centimeters. Cypress, six. And Sasquatch, a nice 23. Revelstoke has three new centimeters. Manning Park, three and same for Whitewater. Big White received 21 new centimeters. Silver Star, 12. Sun Peaks, 13. Kicking Horse, unfortunately, didn't pick up any. Mount Washington, one. And Powder King is the winner today with 42 centimeters of powder. All right, uh, Squires here with Satellite Debris, and as it sometimes does, it includes exceptional athleticism. Yes, of both the uh, male and, well, not male, but the, <laughs> the human and the canine kind. Let's check it out. Now, remember last week we had the agility contest from the Westminster Kennel Club, mm -hmm. and we showed, I think, the Papillon. The dog. That's right, mm -hmm. a little... I, I didn't have a chance to show you this one. Now, this dog is not normally known for agility, but the bulldog wanted to end. Rudy the bulldog. And... Ooh. Who could deny Rudy? <laughs> I know, look at the okay. teeth on that thing. Here he goes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's got speed. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's moving. Well, no, nothing. yeah, he, he's got good speed, but the real impressive thing is the weaving ability here. He's not super fast with the weaving, but he makes it. He does it. <laughs> got it going on. He says Bulldog just sit around. Look at that thing. All right, uh, this is Aiden character of uh, Liberty University, and this is a ball he's chasing down. And he gets it. And then he goes over the fence. Yes, he Are did make the catch. Me? The excited announcer and wants to. Character with the catch Whoa! Of the year. And, the whole oh. <laughs> and held on, no less. Those are some rocks. They're a little too close to the field. That's, that's some good Risk. work. Flying. One of the things we often do here on Satellite Debris is go back in the archives and show one we liked. Well, here's one that Chris and I have always loved. It's Faith. a Wheat Thins commercial, I think from the Super Bowl about mm, maybe six years ago. Mm -hmm. But it still works today. What are you doing? Oh, hey, using night vision goggles to keep an eye on my spicy buffalo wheat thins to make sure nobody touches them. Who's gonna take your wheat thins? Um, I don't know. An intruder, the dog, Bigfoot, Ted from next door. Hey, can you get the light? I love you. What's going on? I love how Ted, <laughs> Ted runs in and takes advantage of the situation. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so good. All right. Okay, so last week we had the Geico commercial with the Walrus playing goal. Right. That was classic. Uh, here are three more. That's two. This would be three. <laughs> three more Geico commercials. Here we go. 
I can't believe it. That there's a lobster in our hot tub? Oh, you guys. There's a jet. Oh, I needed this. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on our car insurance with Geico. We could've been doing this a long time ago. Did you guys stay in the hotel? Yeah, we just got married. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm afraid of commitment. You know, I'm being boiled alive. Oh, shoot. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. <gasps> that guy's the worst. You okay there, Kurt? We're about to move. Karate helps relieve some of the house buying stress. At least you don't have to worry about homeowner's insurance. Call Geico. Geico? Helps with homeowner's insurance? Been doing it for years. I'm calling Geico right now. Good idea. Get to know Geico and see how easy homeowners and renters insurance can be. I can't believe it. That grandpa's nose is performing fly of the bumblebee? Now, you goof. I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Nice. I know, right? Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Oh, my favorite was the lobster. <laughs> lobster lobster good. strong, yeah. Yeah. Buffalo Week then, so Yeah, that was good. Too. Yeah. That one. So good. Hey, before we go tonight, we'll give you a quick check uh, of weather, maybe. But before we go, we, we have some exciting baby news we want to share with you. A huge yeah. congratulations to our Caitlin yeah. Herbst and her partner Kyle. Look at little Ryan Scarlett, who just arrived. Yes, Ryan is a girl's name. With two ends, yep. That's right. Made her entrance into the world today on her due date, no less, at 12.01 this afternoon. She's just over seven pounds. Everyone's happy and healthy. Aww. And we are so happy for you. So enjoy the time off and getting to know that little girl. Mm-hmm. Right, That's last exciting. Word on Sure. So pockets of rain or snow, uh, snow higher terrain, mixed bag lower down right through tomorrow on and off. All right. Thanks very much for watching. Have a great weekend, everybody.